night It's better than one more fight You fight your tears, they weigh you down Your knuckles bleed on the ground Welcome, everyone. We are on episode six of the Silent Podcast. It is May 1st. Rent is is due. (laughs) It's a new month. It's a new, not a new season. It's a new, new chapter in the Silent Podcast. Usually on the show, you know, my guests are either someone I'm I'm pretty familiar with or I've worked with before. But today we have a, a relatively unknown. Would you like to do the honors or? Um, I can introduce myself. Sure. Uh, my name is May. May Bird is my stage name, B-Y-R-D. Yeah. <laughs> and I am about to graduate from college and I'm an artist. I've been an artist for a really long time. Yeah. You and I have, have met like kind of just very suddenly. <laughs> yes. Through, through everything. I, I feel like you fit. Like We talked about this before the show, but kind of the stereotype of bartenders that i've seen a lot mm. the whole psychology major trope mm-hmm. along with the bartending yeah kind of fits because i genuinely do listen to everybody and we talk about feelings and problems a lot there's some crazy people that show up oh i can only imagine yeah there's a lot of um we had to f- ban this one guy because he i was doing like the He's done a lot of stuff like this, but I was doing this like a swimming dance motion, uh-huh. like the scuba. And he was like, you know what? If you keep dancing like that, I'm going to have to bring a stripper pole in here for you. And I was like, what? So you can dance on it? He was like, no, for you. And I was like, Ugh. so that guy's gone. Uh, yeah. He's out of there. No more creepy. Yeah, it's like I I asked for this, but I'm like uh, cringe. <laughs> yes. like, Jesus Christ! I'm like I'm, I I understand alcohol is involved, but I'm like Jesus, people, please have some kind of filter. 
Yeah, and what was he local? Like, had he been there before? Yes. Like a regular? He got banned. Not just some random. Like... No, he was a regular, and he got banned from Division. He got banned from like several breweries and uh, bars around the area. So he was a, a serial creep. A serial creep, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. the worst thing was he would order beers in five ounces, and then he yeah. would drink it in like two minutes, and then order another five ounce, uh. meaning. I have to go back to him like triple the amount of times than I have to go back to anybody else. <laughs> and it's like, like, I already don't like you and you're making it worse. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's like, because uh, um, tell me, because you'd mentioned that you, you dance, like what dance projects are you working on right now? Well, I just finished like my very last main stage performance. I do have a performance on Tuesday. But it's just, like, literally in the building that we practice in. So it's not a big deal. But it's actually the performance I'm more proud of because I took part in a lot of the choreography. Mm. I hope to start doing more dance things. um, Potentially in a business undisclosed name that I might be front-running relatively soon. Dance will be a part of that. That won't be very organized like dance wise it won't be choreographed it'll be about healing and finding ways to move and in order to release trauma i kind of realized that like as an art form it's kind of something that's been like a enigma but as far as like what goes like into like you know the choreography like kind of like like making it more artistic versus like just you know jamming or like moving your body so if you'd like to comment on that i'm very interested yeah from your perspective um so i'm not i've never been a technically skilled dancer i'm i'm i've always been a big picture person and participant when we were creating choreography Mm -hmm. this semester was the very first semester that i really created an entire like section of the choreography and i have added two things but in a technical sense, you like making things a little more professional, I guess, is kind of yeah. what you're talking about. That's not what dance is about for me. Okay. It really never has been. It's it's what it's about for a lot of people. Yeah. But I joined dance as like a I was freshman year mm-hmm. and of college. And I was like, hey, I need an elective. Let me search through the course catalog. Then I was like, there's dance, dance performance. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And so when I started that, it was not a very professional setting. Okay. But it was very open to people who were new to dance. And that's something that I appreciated a lot. Yeah. Um, It's something that I've used to heal myself. I've actually done a couple of projects that I was really happy about that involved dance, but they were always about something very specific, like a challenge in my life. Like one of them, I performed it and recorded it in this apartment complex, which is not the prettiest thing in the world, but um, it does have pretty areas. And I, I was going up and down the steps with this like flowy 
black mesh skirt and then I was walking down the sidewalk, alluding all to me walking next to my dog mm-hmm. who passed a couple of years oh, ago. I'm so sorry. So it was it was a loss. A lot of people have people as their first big losses. Yeah. My first big loss was this dog. And I'm lucky in that way, but I connect so deeply to animals yeah. that I still cry about it. I'm tearing up right now. Um, and it was probably three years ago. It was called So Be It. And it, uh, I put a song in it called Amen by Amber Run. And I believe, if I remember correctly, the direct translation of Amen is So Be It. It's from Hebrew, right? I believe so. Okay, interesting. That's something I was not aware of. Yeah, so when I looked it up, I was like, that's really cool because I was confused as to why this non-Christian band, as far as I was concerned, was singing a song about amen. Yeah. But it was, it just means like, here it is. It happened. That's it. So be it. And this is just me recovering from it. That's really interesting because I... I have way too many interests than anyone has any right to have. I'm, I know people like, are very like diverse. I say this like with a bunch of things, but like in another life, I feel like I'd want to study like linguistics or uh, etymology, and like, mm-hmm. like kind of like like I, I just think it's so interesting, like the way like words have come about. I just remember like as a kid, I, I think most people had this thought of just just straight up like almost jokingly when I was I was like, who looked at that and it was like. That's a tree. And like, it's a very like simple example of it, but like, I've just always had that curiosity and like wonder. Cause it's, it's not just that someone like declared it's like, that's the noise you're going to make. That's, you know, a very simple way of looking at it. It's like, it's very closely tied to human evolution and like how we've come as a society. It's like just how language has been traded in like different like accents. It's like thousand, all these like little like rules are just, thousands of years in the making. I always think that's interesting. Um, just kind of breaking down the origins of words. Do you know the phrase cut of your jib? I like the cut of your jib. Uh, no, actually I'm not familiar with that. So it's like, it's a very old phrase that comes from sailing days. A jib is like a sail, I guess. Uh, Yeah. So the cut of your jib, like if you have a good cut of your gym <laughs> then your boat's nice then your yeah. your sail's nice oh, okay. meaning you you sail well and and whatnot um i just learned that a couple of days ago really? and i thought that was hilarious because i'll just use it i was like i like the cut of your jib and people are like i wonder what that means and i was like i wonder what that means too and my boyfriend just knew it it was yeah. just off the top of his head he was just like Meh, i know this yeah he's a, a trivia maniac oh okay yeah. i see Interesting, because it, it's just like there's just some things that just roll off the tongue where it's like either just inherently like that, where it's like you don't even have to know like that's where that comes from, but you're just like <laughs> it's like this, you know like I like your cut G, mm-hmm. like just be it's like you know that came from somewhere, but people just say it and it's like I ah, just put in whatever context and then it makes sense. Yeah, you know for sure. Getting back on track now, based on your previous state as far as being more interested in choreographing like dance and like organizing, like being like the big picture person that comes, would you still be interested in like performing like for, for your, or kind of obviously like in lots of different industries, like you wear like different hats, but uh, is that something you're 
looking to to pursue professionally or just kind of integrate into your music? Um, it could potentially be something that I pursue professionally, but if it was professional, it would not be with a dance company. I see. It would be on my own accord. Okay. And because it's, once you get past college, it's super stringent on the physical attributes you need to have, how flexible you are, what skills you can do. Yeah. And I can't really do any of that. So if it were, if I were to continue choreographing and stuff like that, it would probably just be making videos kind of like I did um, for my class that one time that we're talking about. But it is something that I'm interested in because I love it so much. And I think it's a really beautiful way to tell a story. Yeah. Because not using words, like, to me, is a challenge. Because mm-hmm. words are, like, my first language. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. My first no, art language, like, instead of paint being my first language, yeah. like, words. It was the tying together of different phrasings and, and rhyme schemes and concepts and yeah. just overarching pictures. That was that was my first art language. Yeah. And so dance is, like I said, it's a challenge for me. Sure. And I would like to continue challenging myself. Absolutely. That's that's an awesome way of looking at it. Would you consider yourself most a a singer songwriter? Yes. Okay. Poet as well is probably <laughs> one of my top titles. Uh I have pretty much completed my poetry book i have over 300 poems that i've written um and i've got a poetry i call it my poetry ep i know that's not technically (laughs) the right word but it would be my very initial release of a poetry book and so that's how i started i started writing music when i was like nine um yeah it was the first song was rough i don't even (laughs) want to bring it up but I was very young when I started writing music, but I never had instruments. I tried to learn guitar when I was very young. My hands were always way too small. And so I just kind of gave up on that. But then I got a ukulele when I was uh, 18. And that's when I started really writing songs on a monthly basis. Yeah, but poet is, sorry, in my description, I guess, would be one of the top things. Singer, songwriter, slash poet. Yeah, on SoundCloud, it's um, artist of many arts. Yes. I think it's something like that. Yes, an artist of many arts. Yeah. That's, yeah. Which, I guess it's like what life's about, is like finding, like that calling, and sort of figuring, like what is like my main drive, or like main objective. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost kind of like meta, because if, if uh, anyone's asking themselves, it's like, what what is the meaning of life? In my opinion, the the meaning of life is to find the meaning, you know, instead of being (laughs) cliche as far as like, you know, it's the journey, not the destination kind of thing. I feel like that, you know, we talked about phrasing and idioms. It's like that's kind of one that's like lost sometimes as instrumentalists. I'm listening to like everything as a whole and then maybe the the lyrics come to me and like keep me in like on the feelings. It's very like the opposite of a lot of things that's where like I've as an engineer like struggled with song writing like I know like mm. very much like my my sound what is kind of your process there mm. then? poems and songs start yeah. very differently for me 
poems generally, at least now, Mm -hmm. take very little effort. It is just writing what I feel. Yeah. I don't do a ton of rhyming anymore. Um, A lot of it is free verse. So it's just like a journal entry most of the time. Songs are very intentional. And I have the opposite problem of you. I hear lyrics first. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives me the tone to a song, which can sometimes throw me off because my a lot of my music sounds very sad. Sure. And even if I'm trying to make a happy song, it'll still sound just sad and lonely. Sure. And the musicality of that is the harder part for me, to make sure that the sound that I'm producing gives off the feeling I want it to give instead yeah. of just the lyrics giving the feeling. That makes sense. Because it seems like a, a subject matter you've thought about before because I've, I've listened to a decent amount of your music before, you know, doing the podcast today. Uh, what was the name of the song? Is it Only Blue or? Shades of Blue? Shades of Blue, yes. Very interesting to think about that. It, it's, you know, that's just where it goes. Not getting too heavy, like, you know, if it's not something you're comfortable with. Like, is that just just been a struggle of, like, how do I, like, write something, like, positive yeah absolutely i mean i'm sure you listened to the song did you i don't know if i put the lyrics on there but the whole song is about how it's hard to write a happy song for me the last lyric i believe is you write what you know Mm -hmm. that's what i've felt for a really long time i was in the hospital a while back for mental issues and The therapist, we had a family session. The therapist asked my dad, what do you need from May? And May, what do you need from your parents? And I didn't really know what to say, but my dad kind of made a joke. And he was like, more happy songs would be nice. And I was like, I'm in a mental hospital right now. Like, I get that you want me to be happier. Yeah. But I'm using this art to express the horrible darkness that i'm feeling yeah and i don't know how to make a happier song so i wrote a song for him it's called rbh or happy song and uh, the lyrics are just this happy song is for you i hope that you're happy too then i go the chorus is basically this happy song is for me i think i'm finally going to be free from this voice in my mind i think it's about time that i write happy songs just for me but that didn't happen i didn't get to write happy songs even that song was sad and it's called happy song um but shades of blue it's talking about black thorns are twisting and coming up from the page you know So, like, I'm writing and I'm trying to say beautiful, happy things. There's just thorns growing from it. Mm -hmm. And the pen crosses out line after line after line after line. But what can I say? You write what you know. So that has been my experience for a really long time. But um, recently I met the love of my life. And I met a lot of really good people. and. I started having a community for the first time in my life, and I have started genuinely writing happy songs. And that's why I'm so excited about my my show, because it will be the first set I have, the first show that I have, 
that is actually primarily comprised of songs that are about happy things and hope and growth and life and love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, if it's any kind of consolation, it's like you're not alone in this. Like many artists, absolutely. It's like you you write what you know in any kind of sense. You create what you know. You know, art's always a, a reflection of the world. I'm going to butcher this quote, and so I won't, like, exactly quote, but there's, like, the, like an idea where it's, like, you know, I, ideas always come from somewhere. They're just not, like, random, like, things in the, the ether necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it, you know, for a lot of people, it's, like, yeah, that's how they, they process trauma. And it's, and it's cathartic, you know, to naysayers like that. And it's, like, oh, this is all, like, negative. I'm, like, well, not really like it it's it's good to kind of just get that like out there i'm sure you would as a psych major have things to say about that well yes um i've been told so many times that all my stuff is negative and the thing is yes sure when you hear it it's like that makes me sad but if you're somebody that's gone through the things that i've gone through that makes me feel known and heard yeah you know, that's that's what sad songs make me feel yeah. when I write them. Like there was a song that I wrote about my dad because um, he wasn't around all the time when I was little. And it felt like I kept just getting left behind. Yeah. And so the song's called Hope in the Past Tense. It's not on anything yet. Um, I want to record lots of other things, but I haven't yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't had the time graduating college. But once I wrote that song... I sang it a couple of times, and then literally I felt the weight and the pain and the anger and resentment just float away. I felt it, like, in a moment Mm -hmm. after I'd written that and performed that song. So it is catharsis in so many ways. There's genuine moments where you write something that you've been feeling for a long, long time, and finally you're able to feel connected in a way, but also separated from that as a, as it's a moment in my past and something that I can move on from. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, cause you described it as like your, your poems, even like it's, it's a journal. It's almost easier to say that like in a microphone with, with your ukulele or whatever, like, it, you know, cause it's, it's, it's especially hard when it is a particular person, like in your instance, you know, where it's like when the person you're talking to is the subject of your trauma, it's, it's hard. You can't like there, you almost, it's really difficult to get resolution in that way. You know, it really is cathartic. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Cause it just like, have you been in a studio setting before? Um, Kind of once, okay. once before, not in a podcast sense. I understand. Yeah, I guess I was just curious if, like, if you've been like in a studio and like record like any of your songs before. Oh well, not my songs, mm-hmm. um, but I actually uh, have a song that's on Spotify and Apple Music that isn't mine, and I didn't write any of it. But uh, they wanted me as like the beginning voice mm-hmm. on their album. Yeah. Um, I believe it was their like very first album to release uh it's an arlington band 
PTO is what they go by. Okay. I think the the name of the song is PTO. Well, the name isn't PTO. The name is Neverland. Yes. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) And it's PTO uh, with me. And so I'm I'm the starting vocals of that. And that was the only time I've ever really been in a studio setting. Okay. It was really cool. Yeah. But I don't have the capacity to set something like that up myself, at least not at this very moment in time. Sure. No, I completely understand. Like it's it's daunting. <laughs> it's a it's a pain. But with with that all being said, are you are you looking to to publish your book of poem. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've had a goal since I was like 16 mm-hmm. to publish before I'm 25. Okay. I'm about to turn 23. Right. I have like literally the setup and order that I want my poems in. I just need, I'm probably going to get my friend. He's a really good artist. Um, yeah. Graduated from Abilene Christian University okay. um, as a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, he's so talented and I really want to get him to do some art on it. Yeah. And that's pretty much the only thing I have left to do other than actually publish. So yeah. I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, I totally want to publish. I think I'm going to call it home or searching for home, I believe is what, because all of my poems, not all of them, but a lot of my poems have the word home in them and the concept of that has been such a long process for me, and I might start crying because um, I will start crying. (laughs) I grew up feeling separated from my family because my my house was split, so I I would spend every other weekend with my dad, and I always had a bag packed, so I didn't feel like I had a home anywhere. I started to find that when I was like 16 um, with my ex-boyfriend and his family. They were very, very kind to me, showed me some of the first unconditional love that I've genuinely felt from human beings. And so trying to find home, I feel like really describes my poetry and my emotional journey because it's all home isn't about a place for me. It's about some group of people or some semblance of something that feels like I can be myself in it and completely unabashedly is that a word yeah unabashedly um be be me and that's been hard for me for a really long time because I feel like I'm kind of a weirdo (laughs) which is become a great thing and I'm I'm actually happy that I can say that with confidence that I'm freaking weird yeah and it's cool Everyone has a weird side. I don't care who you are. Like, if you're the most normie, norm, (laughs) normal, blah, 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 blah. I'm of the opinion that everyone at some point in their life, it unfortunately happens to people too early. But, you know, eventually in life, someone, you're going to go through just this one traumatic experience that, that will make you the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. It may happen like way later for for some people, but that's just to me. I, I think just a reality where you're just most people who have that. It, it's just trying to find a place you can call call home. I feel like I've been struggling to since I've I've moved out to 
find somewhere I can call home, you know? Absolutely. And that's a lot of like life's journey is like finding your people. So I, I yeah. hope, you know, through this podcast that people can, can find that and yeah. that it, it helps in, in some kind of way. Cause we do get pretty deep. We almost sometimes like hardly even talk about music, but that's so much of it. And, uh, you know, want to ask you your opinions and thoughts and feelings as far as, um, you know, music and psychology and like how closely you're related. Like those are just art in in psychology like just your your perspective like on that i mean closely related i don't even they're one and the same yes. for me That's, yeah. psychology has been a part of my life since i was probably 13 or 14 when i started going to therapy mm-hmm. um ever since then every time a therapist or a psychiatrist told me there's these neurotransmitters in your brain that are maybe not fully working the way that they yeah. need to. And I was like, wait, it's not just because I'm me. It's, it's actual things that are happening in my brain and things that have happened to me that have caused me to store trauma in my body. It's, it's not just me. I'm not just a shithead. I'm not just stupid or sad. It's actual things that are affecting me. And I think that has so much to do with art because most artists are sad or have been sad or will be sad. Um, But I think that that's a really big part of humanity in general and the way that we connect with each other is through darkness and finding light together. Yeah. And realizing that not everybody comes from a bright place. Yeah. And um, one of my poems is, is about how there, it doesn't matter. There's no superheroes or villains cry and mm-hmm. heroes lie and yeah. hurt people hurt people. Yes. And it's, there's no black or white Everything comes from somewhere. Everybody, we have to remember that almost everyone comes from a place different than us. And most of those places are dark and scary. Finding solace in being together in sadness is just art. I think that's just art, plain and simple. Yeah. I think, do you want to talk about some of the, the music that we had shared yeah. Um, yeah. Beforehand. Mine? Song. Uh, yes. Drop, you're... Stop, and Roll by Rainbow Kitten Surprise. It's their newest song. Really? Yes. That tune, I have to say, because like, we do like kind of like very like light analysis and just talk about like our feelings a bit. So I know that's something you've probably been on repeat for you, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. I just like, it's just fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really interesting considering like what like we're talking about. Yeah, like I, I love the like the folk song like quality that they have. It it's really interesting because like I, I'm I'm very like you know my my tastes are both eclectic and niche. Some at the same time, and I feel like a lot of people can like in the days of streaming can relate to that. 
I've kind of come to appreciate like artists like Bob Dylan, like more recently. I love Bob Dylan. I really like 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 I've just seen like really like interesting like deconstructions like of his career and the mm-hmm. way like he lived his life. I mean, it didn't sound like he's passed already. No, but, like, but no. yeah, yeah. I'm just like folk, like on like the vibe for me. Like music, it, a lot of it's like just a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds a lot like. Um, are you familiar with Beach House? Sorry, Beach House. House. No, I don't think so. Artist. I'll have to share that with you then. Okay. Um, one thing interesting that I kind of got is like kind of defining like the genre like indie, you know, as far as like what independent music sounds like. Because I'm always an advocate of like working like towards like your strengths. Obviously, you know what you know. I don't know how many times we've said that already, yeah. but it's like you know what you know, and it's like for for indie bands, there's just this inherent out of like, okay, what do we have? Like, what can we make the most out of whatever? I don't know. That's kind of like what, what I got out of it. Like, tell me more out of, out of that song specifically. Yeah. yeah um, rainbow can surprise has been in my, I don't know if wheelhouse is the right word, but it's been on my radar since I was like 14 or 15. Really? Um, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And they have a lot of really dark songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite songs, one of their most popular songs is How to Friend, Love, and Freefall. Okay. And the very first line of that song is called to the devil and the devil did come. Okay. Said to the devil, devil, do you like drums? Do you yeah. like cigarettes, dominoes, rum? He said only sundown, Sundays, Christmas. Anyway. Nice. It's, it's a great <laughs> song and there's a lot of very like intricate lyrics that they use. Yeah. Um, and a lot of metaphors, but I... I like that song that I played you or that you played for me because um, it's not sad. Yeah. It's about music. Yeah. It's uh, the lyrics where Barry taught you how to rock and roll. So like Barry Manilow. And I love that. I yeah. think it's kind of, I've been looking for happier songs. Mm-hmm. All my life songs on my playlist for so long were so dark and sad and lonely in some way or another and so i've been trying to fill my music my playlists with happier lighter songs with vibes that i can roll down the windows in the summer and just dance to and that's what that song is for me it's not a sad song it's not terribly touching it's just fun and light and still meaningful yeah because it's got a history to it Mm -hmm. I think it's the band that makes it me love it so much. And yeah. all the the freaking harmonies, dude. <laughs> those harmonies are beautiful. Yeah. They have that in every single song of theirs. Really? Just fantastic harmonies. Um Ela, it's very well produced. Like I love it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um the band is actually really cool too. Just um as kind of a side note, you and I were talking about pronouns earlier before yeah. we started the podcast and um Rainbow Can Surprise is I mean, rainbow is one of the words in yeah, their yeah. band name, so you might guess that that's a little bit gay yeah. or queer in yeah, general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the um, lead singer mm-hmm. is named Ela. Okay. And um, she just came out as trans like a year and a half ago, maybe, okay. something like that. Yeah. So um, I think... I got to see them in concert. Yeah. Um, and one of their guitarists, uh, their name is Charlie. They're non-binary. 
So they've got a trans woman um, who's freaking got a beautiful voice and is just rocking the stage. And then Charlie in the back with their fucking like, (laughs) Um, it's fantastic. It was great. And so Bozzy is like, he's, uh, Bozzy and Ela started the band together and they're the ones that do all the harmonies. Okay. So I love both of their voices and I think they combine beautifully. Yeah. Especially like when you have a good like dynamic like that, because there's so many like, bands where you just it's like yeah just tag tag along like it's good to have like a a main creative force like someone who can like because usually like a a producer will fill that role of like wrangling in like a a group of like artists or musicians to kind of get like you know a cohesive like sound or vision right but but yeah it's like it like indie bands like really just benefit from having like that dynamic i mean i think like i mean like all music is collaborative obviously oh yeah but that's like the a big part of why that's appealing yeah you know speaking of indie uh just in general do you would you call my music indie um yeah a a bit because like it because we've like debated a bit on the show of like defining genres like in the very first episode uh, jesse katz is like it's I'm going to quote him and stuck with me. It is a fool's errand for marketing purposes. Like a lot of like the streaming stuff, like all, all of that jazz. It's like, it, it's for categorizational purposes. Cause I, I, I think, I think I said on the show that I, or I, I, I asked you if you'd consider yourself a singer songwriter. That's more like that the, what, what I hear. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hear that more like the, the folky quality. Cause again, it is funny because that's why I brought it up because it's like, well, indie is like, you know, independent. And I'm like, what really? How do you categorize that? It's like that sound. And I would almost, I challenge you, the viewer, and you, Bay, as far as like maybe like almost like alternative. Because I, I, would, I would say like, because that has a whole different connotation to it as well. Um, and just, you know, we talked about words meaning various things throughout like time. But it feels like indie is almost like it, it's almost just like a qualifier where it's like we we do not fit in with like you know because because I I take so much issue like I don't hate pop I sometimes like the way I talk it makes it sound like I hate pop music <laughs> as a genre I do not there's absolutely nothing wrong with it um to me everyone at home is free to disagree. When when your main goal is like to hit like the charts and be like the biggest, like I want everyone in the world to hear it. It's not impossible for good and meaningful music to to make it. Obviously, because stuff does. One of my favorite bands is you can is Linkin Park. I've talked to them yeah. on the show. I to me, what makes them interesting is that they found ways to take what would be considered underground music for a mainstream audience. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, 21 Pilots kind of did that, too. Yeah. And actually, uh, Jester Bennington, in an interview shortly before he passed, had referenced them like quite a bit as like an insp- like a more recent inspiration. Oh, that's so cool. Which is cool, like kind of hearing that connection. Because, yeah, to make the, the the comparison, but it's like alternative media, you know, where it's like this, this is indie. This is like a, going against the grain in a purposeful way. You know, would you describe yourself as indie? 
though. To throw the question back at you. That's that's a great question. <laughs> and kind of the reason I asked you is yeah. because I have trouble defining my genre. Sure. Because it's just me and a ukulele. So I was kind of asking you because I don't really know all yeah. that well. But uh, what I do kind of mention to people is sure. the term bedroom pop. Oh, Are you okay. aware of that genre? Yeah, that, well, that makes sense. I, I don't think I've used it or heard it in that context, but yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, so like Cave Town, if you've ever heard of them, they're all very small. But Cave Town, Chloe Moriando, Claro is probably the most popular one okay. of them all. Um, but they're all soft vibes, yeah. usually with a beat at the back, which I don't usually have in my yeah. music. But um, it's soft, it's the lyrics are emphasized mm-hmm. in importance. It's a lot of raw vocals. So that's kind of where I align myself, the mm-hmm. raw vocal side and the lyricist side. Yeah. It's like maybe an indie alt bedroom pop mixture. Sure. All these like cross, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. That fits. I like it. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. I, I really do like enjoy because like, you know, after you you handed me like the the flyer for your show that you're doing, uh, it's um, Grand Illusion mm-hmm. that uh, you're playing with on yes. May thirteenth. Yes. So uh, seven p.m. I, yes, at uh, Doctor Jekyll's Beer Lab. So if I if I get this out in time, you know, go ahead and check it out. It ought to be a good time. I'm gonna be there. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're talking about music being a challenge, and like I. Uh, I find the most rewarding things are like challenging and like listening to music and like it is like very purposeful. Like it, it's like very like gentle with the subject matter. Cause of course you can hear like the, the melancholy. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate your approach and like a lot of that. Cause it's, it's hard to, you know, when it's voice and ukulele, it's like, okay, like I know lots of people that do that. It's like, it's hard to make that like interesting and, and meaningful. And it just, yeah, I, I just get that that sense from your music and it, and it makes so much sense like you know be you and, and talking to you now anything else you'd like to talk about uh with the your song pick i don't know just uh check out rainbow kid and surprise in general they're they're really good yeah. um their lyrics are great if you like good harmony if you like good guitar they've got some incredible riffs and yeah. if you like a good show too like they're coming to Dallas in November actually really? yeah uh god like like i talk about like trying to like narrow down interest i'm like there's so <laughs> many good shows and i'm like i want to support like all of my local artists all of like everybody and i'm just like man <laughs> there's not enough like time to experience like all of, all of the things that i'm just like uh, I like, yeah, I, I can sit here and like, we can like list mold, just go down like forever and ever and ever, which I would appreciate. I don't know if everyone else at home, would though, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to get to the next pick though, I'd showed May uh, a song from Halsey's most recent record. If I can't have love, I want power. Uh, we'd listen to bells in Santa Fe, not one of the singles from it. Like definitely like a more like niche pick from the album but something that i quite appreciate um but without going into it too much what were your thoughts and feelings i like to listen or i like to read lyrics that's what i was doing while uh, the song was playing it seems like it's about 
kind of being with a lot of different people, mm-hmm. but feeling empty. Yeah. And just leaving those spaces feeling empty. And I relate to that because I did go through a phase of um, one of my favorite songs is called Castle in the Sand. I will be playing it. The song Castle in the Sand starts off, um, how many does how many people does it take to be alone without being lonely? Yeah. So I feel like that's similar vibe to what that song was about. Yeah. Uh, because I did go through a phase during COVID where I was like, I need to be alone. I need to be independent. I'm a strong woman, you know. But then I just like went and <laughs> slept in a bunch of people's beds because I wanted to be, I didn't want to be alone, yeah. but I wanted to be alone yes um it's it's a weird it um, doesn't make a lot of sense but i think people will get it oh yeah um it that's what it sounded like to me and re-listening to the the title of the album Mm -hmm. i think that connects very deeply if i can't have love i want power yeah so i mean sex is power in so many ways and i think that maybe what she was talking about she she wanted to just kind of shoot I'll hold you in the dark, I think was one of the lyrics, or maybe I could hold I you in the so. dark. I can, I can pull it up while you're talking. Something here. along those lines. And it it speaks to the loneliness, but also maybe the power that sex gives you where you can just stop in and give somebody love and affection in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. and then leave and feel maybe powerful in a way because women being the powerful ones in sex, I feel like is a relatively new concept. Um, but it's something that I has really empowered me in a lot of ways um, because I've dealt with probably a lot of the stuff that Halsey has dealt with, which is sexual assault, sexual harassment, all of that stuff that, that takes power away from you. Yeah. And so if if you're able to regain that power in some way, I think that's positive. Um, but maybe that's not fully the message. Yeah. I, I would like to know your thoughts on what that song means. You probably listened to it a lot more times than sure. I have. Sure. Yeah, it's something I, I like really had been wanting to revisit because I, you know, listened to it when it first came out a bit and uh, was very very interested, like very captivated, but just hadn't. I think a lot of people can relate to this for when something new comes out, they'll listen to it over and over and then it's like, okay, let's shelve it. And then we'll come back and like, sure. process that. And, uh, th- this album, like, again, a lot of my favorite music, like is a challenge. Halsey was someone that I had kind of misunderstood and which is really interesting because that's, I think what a lot of like this record and their previous one has been about. <laughs> Uh, if if you know like their story, the themes of this album like it's actually because I I haven't kept up with it because I know there are some like videos, but I know they had mentioned making a a film or a visuals to to go along with it at some point. The album and and it's let me like back it up. So so what I mean is that. I had been of the the opinion before of like, you know, people talk to me. It's like, Oh, like, you know, like just seeing like, you know, their name come up before and other things. Like, I think it was like that chain smoker song that mm-hmm. they're featured on. I yeah. was like, I was like, well, and, and then like other like tracks I'd heard like more like commercially beautiful voice. I just didn't appreciate the, the songwriting. This album in particular 
they wanted to go in, in a brand new direction to kind of like get away from that. Cause I think it was their debut in a lot of interviews that, that I was watching, like around this time they mentioned, it's like, you know, that people did not understand that it was satirical. That album in particular, it's, it's a lot of the themes are very satirical. And I think the mainstream media had completely just taken it as like, you know, you know, ask you about like Brandon. It's like, okay, another like, you know, female singer songwriter. And I just think ever since then, they've been trying to break away from that perception. Cause yeah. that was me. Cause that was me. I was just right. like, okay, whatever. It's another like Miley Cyrus or like, I, I can't think of someone else right now, yeah. but just like another, whatever really like what had caught my attention is that they had reached out, like, you know, it was recorded during the pandemic. It is um, produced by some of my, Biggest inspirations, but the, um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. What an interesting collaboration. So I'll, I'll get more specific like on, on this song, but the context of the album, I don't remember like the, the full details of the situation, but they were pregnant and like, you know, expecting most of it's kind of dealing with like the struggles. Cause it, it really is like a roller coaster of emotions. It's, it's the second, you know, song in the track list. The introduction is called The Tradition, which, you know, kind of lays out the the groundwork, like, pretty obviously as far as, like, basically just, like, of, like, you know, traditions as far as, like, you know, roles for women, more or less. And, you know, so interesting, like, hearing, like, your your perspective, like, listening to that for, for the first time and, and coming at it from, from a different angle, because I, I, you know, from my point, I just had gotten all the loneliness and like hope, hopelessness and like a lot of like the, the sound scape trying to find like comfort through like through sex, yeah. just through like finding like, you know, that just like from one person to like another, like trying to find intimacy. And I, I couldn't imagine like, I, I feel like it's, it's really easy for me to say, cause I feel like I have a lot of, strong female like role models like in my life but i where the problem lies is that many men boys what have you don't like just because of you know years of history and um like like just being repressed like in in that way like as as like as being like in a position of, of power and uh that's a lot of the themes like i that are in the album is because you know the, the the big track the big single is like I'm not a woman I'm a god mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, yeah. that, that's a big song because um, that that's towards later towards the album because it, it is very like you know I understand like why they would want to produce a film of it because it is very like cinematic so uh, so bells in Santa Fe like I just I hear like all the isms of you know like a Trent Reznor production with with their voice on it it's very light it's just like atmospheric like there's that percussive like synth that's like this like nagging like it comes in like goes you'd ask me like what i'd thought like their their story like kind of knowing more of that what does that mean to you there's a couple of songs that i really like uh from theirs i think hurricane is one mm-hmm. yeah yeah where like people are talking about them on the train yeah and saying like don't waste your pretty face like me so yeah. that always kind of that song in general being a hurricane in general i think 
spoke to me. There's also a specific song that I pulled up right here, um, the lyrics to. It's Nightmare by Halsey. Yeah. One of the most impactful um, lyrics, I think, that connected me to them initially when I first started listening was about body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and um, just hating the body that you were born in and grew into or whatever. So the lyric is... um, Stared in the mirror and punched it to shatters, collected the pieces and picked out a dagger. I've pinched my skin in between my two fingers and wished I could cut some parts off with some scissors. So it's like super dark. And I love the lyrics to that in general. I love the boldness of it. Uh, I wanted to bring more of that into my music as well. Um, And I was scared of that for a long time because my family was very much... Like I said, with my dad, very much make more happy songs. And I was like, but this is beautiful. That sentiment is beautiful and it connects human beings with each other. And um, I think just in general, without really knowing all that much, like I haven't really listened to a lot of Halsey interviews, just listening to their music Mm -hmm. has always been connecting. There's power behind it. There's sadness and shame. There's a mixture. There's love and lust and fire and emptiness and all of the above. And I think it really encompasses the human experience, especially for a feminine presenting person um, in general and an artist as well in the public eye. Um, But I'm reading more of these lyrics and like I, like I was saying, with the power along with the darkness, there's uh, no, I won't show you, no, I won't smile, but I'll show you my teeth. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. Because, and even Hurricane is, is similar to that. And, and this song and the album, just yeah. the title of it, the power behind it is, is really important in women finding power or feminine people finding power in the world is something that I have been looking for for a long time. And a lot of the pop culture, like um, Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball video, you know, I didn't, when that initially came out, I never really connected with it because I wasn't confident in my body like that. And Halsey being not confident in their body or themselves in a lot of ways, but also growing through that and Mm -hmm. showing strength and showing power, I think is one of the coolest dissonance that I've seen in, in an artist and it's dissonance, but it's the kind that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it it really like a lot of, have you also seen the film hereditary? Yes. I've seen part of it. Part of it. I've, talk to friends about this where it's like like to me like horror is more of like a medium than a genre itself where it's just kind of like confronting these it's not literally the the monster but it's like kind of like the the scary things and um but i bring it up because it's related to halsey's most recent album and and the the themes of like the fear of like childbirth and child labor and just like those fears and anxiety, like hereditary, that film in particular is a lot about the scares of like, you know, more sort of the later stages of like having like, you know, kids who are 
20 something like now or, or, or being a parent for a while and just like kind of those regrets, uh, not, not necessarily regrets of, you know, that relationship, but it's like, well, we're kind of gone wrong or that kind of thing. And, and just, it's all about like, you know, the title hereditary is like the, it's really about both family trauma and then like, as far as like, you know, mental illness and like passing that down and like those fears of bringing another person into this world. And, and I, um, I hear a lot of that and can't have love. I want power. Cause you know, just even looking at like the cover it's them, you know, in, you know, very like regal, like, I don't know if I, I showed you like the cover, but I saw yeah. it. Yeah. And, um, the, the censored version, you know, they have to cover up like her breasts. Unfortunately, that people are so sensitive to that for its biological purpose of nurturing <laughs> You know? Right, which America is like one of the only countries that actually sees breasts as genitals instead of just like a feeding mechanism yeah. for children. Our our friend group is like like how to like not a, not a debate but just just a discussion of like it's like our our breasts a fetish, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I'm like, what a, a interesting thing to think about because like you know a, the reason we went down this rabbit hole is like you know what fetishes. I'm just like, well, like why. Why that even where it's just like just a body part that's not like about, you know, intercourse. Yeah. And we're like, well, it's like breath really aren't either necessarily. Exactly. I mean, nice. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but yeah. 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 Um, I actually have like a psychological thing on, sure. on the point of fetishes. Interesting. Thank, please. Yeah. Um, so the foot fetish, it's, it's the most common fetish of humans in general. Like running the numbers, it real like genuinely, okay. it is the most common fetish. Interesting. Yeah. The reason for that, hypothesized, but but based in scientific fact, is yeah. is on the brain. You've got um, your like your little lumps, right? Yeah. And uh, in a section of the brain, if you just cut down a quarter of it, basically, genitals are right next to the sensors. Like this is all. Uh, sensory stuff like the yeah. way that you connect it so your genitals in general are connected very closely with your feet so sometimes those wires get crossed okay interesting and that's what creates foot fetishes a lot of the time i i'm, I'm only laughing because it just I'm just like i'm like oh wow it's not that simple but but it's like it makes sense it does explain it, that. it does make a lot of sense and um the other the other way that fetishes usually come about is through shame. When you're a child, like if if you're like three years old, you don't have no idea what like things are, but you you walk into your mom's room and you grab her bra and she freaks out. And now bras are like this sacred object that you can't yeah. touch, and that becomes a sexual fetish. Same thing happens with shoes. Like women's shoes, you know, like if you yeah. go into your mom's closet and you're trying on the shoes and your dad's like, that's for girls, like, stop it, you know. Um, so it's almost like demonizing things makes stuff more of a problem. Exactly. I'm very sarcastically for everyone in the back. <laughs> it's almost like demonizing things makes, yeah. It, well. No, absolutely. That's, it's literally a psychological phenomenon. I'm not pulling shit out of my ass. That's yeah. actually what happens. No, so. I like that. I, I loved psych. I kind of almost asked you rhetorically earlier. So much of being an artist is like just understanding 
people. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Understanding people, understanding yourself, mm-hmm. being introspective. I think that's one of the things that makes me a really good artist is, yeah. is how well I am connected with how I feel, why I feel that way, yeah. what other people made me feel, why they feel that way, mm-hmm. you know, and why they, why each person does the actions that causes other people's pain or misfortune. Yeah, I I, I appreciate the record that Halsey had done. Absolutely. Like a couple of, I'm like I I really if, if it isn't already, I, I hope the film gets made. Yeah. Um it's I, I definitely could see it because I loved you know, we talked about Pink Floyd in the wall. Have you ever seen the movie for that? I haven't. It's so hard to find. It's not streaming anywhere. Ugh. I was only able to watch it because uh, my dad had the VHS. Like, th- there's a DVD copy that's been out of print, but it's just like you can't, you can't. It's so hard to find. But it's, it's maybe I can torrent it. I, I don't personally know where to, yeah. but I'm sure it's possible. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's um so good. Cool. I mean, I mean, if you. It's it's not a one to one with the album. There's actually some stuff from the final cut, which is if you know anything about that record, the the final cut is a, there's a few like album like from like bigger artists like this where it's like that enough music during the writing process to make another album. So then they did. Uh, <laughs> so there was a lot of um, B sides or other things from the the wall session that made it on onto that album. So I, I forget which track in particular, but um, they play with the track order. It's mostly the audio from the album, but then there's, you know, some, there's really no dialogue, just some stuff in between here, like almost like sound design choices. Yeah. That that in particular, like I, I, I see a lot of parallels. One of my favorite records of all time is the downward spiral. Sonically, it's very different, but just that, that vulnerability is really powerful and I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Hello everyone. Thank you all for listening this far into the episode. Just wanted to pass along a note from my editor Gerald for clarification. During this discussion, May and I were unsure if we were going to record their song Knuckles on the Pavement, its feature at the beginning of this episode. So the following conversation was under the assumption I'd feature their song Bright and Sunny instead. So go listen to it. I thought the conversation was still very meaningful. I decided to keep it in anyways. Thank you all so much for the support. If you've enjoyed this episode and the podcast as a whole, follow and subscribe. That means the world to me. We've just recently launched our Patreon page, so consider that as well if you're able. Thank you once again for listening. Now, back to the show. So at the beginning of the podcast, you know, I always feature music from my guests. So you'll probably just heard the song Bright and Sunny. Do you want me to talk about it first? Yeah, go for it. It, Like, I I definitely related to it because, like, I kind of got, like, you know, especially, like, now that I have, like, the official lyrics pulled up. There's that sound of like kind of like losing track of time. <laughs> That's like a huge, especially like in the last like three years, it's like, I feel like with the pandemic, I've lost all sense of whatever. And uh, when you're definitely like going through like a struggle and like not knowing night from day falling asleep like with the lights it's on it's the first yeah it's the, it's first, the first line thing. i fell asleep with the lights on again last night that like you really like paint a picture with your words because like especially when you're like telling me like about some of your poetry and like citing stuff it's like i stopped picking flowers a few years back because when i did they would die and their petals turned to black that's pretty common like I, I think a lot of people can like relate as far as like not if you love something like let it go 
But like, you know, there's a, of like, you know, when you pick a flower, it's like, it's kind of doomed to die eventually if you take it out of, like, of its habitat. I guess with some of your insight, like what does it mean to you personally? So this song is, is very close to my heart. My best friend, she attempted suicide uh, right before I wrote this song. And it's about her. She's, she's bright and sunny. Um, so I wrote her a letter before I wrote the song about her being bright and sunny because she is just this beautiful piece of art. And she's, she's also an artist and she writes poetry a lot and songs and paints. And um, she brings so much light into the world. And it's about people who bring so much light, but who feel so dark inside. So like the very last uh, line of the, the thing you mentioned, I stopped picking flowers a few years back, that whole stanza is actually a poem I wrote that's adjacent to the song. So I meant to, in like the final recording, I was going to just read that as a poem after I finished the song. Um... It's they're both very similar concepts, but the last stanza of the actual song part, um, dear bright and sunny, I've been thinking it through. Do you suppose the sun has dark inside it too? Because sometimes the brightest stars are just about to fall. And well, if that's you, then give me a call next time. So it's about. Um, She's so bright and, uh, you know, how like when a star is about to burst and it gets really bright. And um, that's, I guess, what that verse was about and what the whole song is about is if you're there and you are shining bright, but inside you feel not alive, just call me next time before you make that decision. It was a very painful moment in my life, um, but she is still with me, and um, that's all I can really ask for. Yeah. When you were going through that, like, do you do you start with kind of a prompt or those feelings, like when you are writing, or just just you just as a songwriter, you just do it instinctively, and it just happens, and you contextualize it later well a lot of the times i'll get just a phrase in my head and that will sit there and accumulate other ideas attached to it for a long time and then when it happens it just happens and i just it just bursts out onto the page so that's that's basically what happened with this song because i was sad too like i was not in a good place mentally um and not just because that she had done that, but because of my own stuff. So there's even a line in there. And the chorus is, sometimes a mirror doesn't tell you the truth, and sometimes those lies come from deep inside of you. And I know that it's hypocritical of me to say, but love, you're beautiful, and please won't you stay. Because I would say the terrible things to myself that I'm sure she was also saying to herself, and so I felt hypocritical in writing the song almost because it was I was just begging her to stay even though all I wanted to do was go. And I think that happens a lot with people that are sad together. Yeah. 
we we are like, but I love you so much, mm-hmm. and and I really really want you here, and I know what it's like to feel like you don't want to be alive. I I genuinely do. I've spent a lot of my life in that mindset, and um. But I think all of us that have felt that way are really good at telling other people not to. Um, And we like to do that a lot. We're like, I'm really sad and I want to die, but please don't die because you're awesome. And we just do that to each other, you know? We don't see the beauty in ourselves. Not you specifically, but people like that you want someone to... To say that to you. Right. You know, it's that's what love and respect is, is caring about someone else. Like you would care about yourself. And when you don't care about yourself, you want that right. love and respect for someone to tell you. And, you know, going through that experience, it's like it, it is humbling to just stop and be like, it's like, well, when I had my struggle, I would have wanted someone to have said that, you know. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I I have one more thing before we finish. What do you, for to, to someone like me who struggles like to understand like lyricism and songwriting on the first pass, like I really have to listen to something over and over to like really understand it. And when, when I do, it's like, it's, it's, that's to me, the most rewarding thing about art is just having that deeper understanding with someone without having to really get to know them. Mm-hmm. What do you think subconsciously if you're going to I'd felt those things without really realizing it? <laughs> I don't know. That, that was more of a statement than a question. Maybe I should rephrase that, but do you know what I'm, I'm saying? Do you mean um, that you felt through the noise of the song a little like bit, or like almost the like concept maybe, without knowing the exact wording that I would use. Yeah, kind of, it's like those feelings because, like, that's what I would associate with depression. Yeah, <laughs> you know, is like a lot of the things that I was fixating on, and it's like it's like more the the effects, you know, because without outright saying this is what the song is about, and it's like you know, I'm really trying to find like a good question like out of this. But it's like I think I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. If I can try to comment on that, yeah. um, my best friend is the same exact way sure. that you are. Um, they hear sounds before they hear words. Yeah, that has put a challenge on me to make my songs feel the way that I want them to feel yeah. without shoving lyrics down people's throats. Sure. Uh, because I've never been a super, like, talented musician in the sense of instruments. I think to psychoanalyze you, maybe the reason that you don't hear lyrics initially is just because that's not all that music is. There is a huge amount of impact that goes into the specific sounds and vibrations and frequencies that cause your brain to feel certain things. And so as a challenge to you, maybe potentially just 
on the first go, maybe with a new song yeah. on the first go, like read it with the lyrics. Yeah. Like listen to it as you're reading the lyrics. Yeah. And see if that changes your perspective on the song to start with. Because some artists, like you said, Halsey, you didn't yeah. really um, identify as much with them at sure. the beginning. Yeah. For me, if I were to look at those lyrics, while all of her songs have very, very intricate, small details in them that I feel like I also put in my music, yeah. and I think those are the little golden eggs that we want people to find it's it's the heart of our music is those small little details that put the story together i think when we were talking earlier because i mean that makes sense it's like a lot of where i struggle where i'm just like i feel like everyone's kind of said how i feel already and there's not a unique way of doing that and that's where i'm like how do you say the same I hate repeating myself. How do you say the same thing over and over and get it to mean something? Have you ever had a day that felt like the the water dripping down a window pane? Sure. But I, I actually, well, it depends on your connotation of that. Because I actually quite like rainy days like that, or that, at least that, that mood. No, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like um, just having days that feel like that. Mm-hmm. Know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So that's that's how you describe it. Because you just, at least to me, I just take things in nature. Kind of, yeah. um, But the fact that you can take this image in your mind of a window pane having the water droplets on it and dripping down and the clouds outside and the kind of slight darkness to it. Yeah. You being able to take that and be like, there was a day or a moment that I felt the way that that image makes me feel. Mm-hmm. That's how I do music. Yeah. I take specific things or moments in life that everybody sees or has and take the feelings out of that because I'm like, that's what this feels like. Yeah. Shades of blue. That's what that felt like. Yeah. Sitting on, on my balcony, just listening to the world, listening to the birds, trying to be happy, trying to write a song that was beautiful, but the, the leaves on the tree are falling. I see. You know? Yeah. And so it gives all of those things, those small details about the environment and about earth, I think give the imagery that it takes to describe, I hate this, in a, in a more eloquent and detailed and maybe personal way. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate that. I, it's always an exchange on, on the show, and I, I really appreciate you being here today and being on the podcast. I, I hope our conversation was fruitful for you as much as it was for me, and hopefully everyone else listening to it as well. Well, thank you for having me. I really, I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Where can everyone find your music and find you? Currently, I'm on SoundCloud. Uh, Maybird, uh, M-A-E-B-Y-R-D is is my name. So honestly, if you just type that into Google, you can find me. And 
Uh, SoundCloud is where I'm posting most of my music right now, mm-hmm. but uh, very soon, hopefully, I'll get some recordings done and, and put a full EP on Spotify yeah. and Apple Music and stuff. My name is Silence. I'm not going to spell it out this time, but if you know, you know. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I uh, look forward to seeing you all in the next one. Oh. Thanks, babe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>